be seated. The people of God in Samaria had been in a drought in the land for three years. Not a drop of rain had fallen. God was judging the land. Notice the sequence. First the fire and then the rain. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt we have a formula for revival because in those dark days God sent revival to Israel and what God did for Israel God can do for us. And they were terrible days for Elijah and that people. Ahab was on the throne. Not sure we're too far from that now. You'll get that going home. Jezebel was his queen. Sin was rampant. The altar of Jehovah had been broken down. And the truth of God had been dragged through the dust. Now, this morning, part one, we see a succession of characters, and most of them were enemies of revival. I could have titled this, and it'll help you remember, for this morning we want to look at the enemies of revival. But then we see how God raised just one, just one that became a means of revival. And tonight I want to give you those ingredients that one did that the fire fell and the rain came. So this morning, listen carefully as we look at this succession of characters. I'm amazed, I'm amazed at the Word of God. It always amazes me how current, how current the Bible is, how up to date it is, how relevant it is for our day. Because may I say, these groups were enemies of revival then and these groups are still enemies of revival today. But let me just start by saying are we all in agreement we need revival in our country? Are we in agreement we need revival in our churches? And are we in agreement we need revival in our hearts and personal lives? So we, if we can start with the basis this morning that we all need revival, then it will help us to understand the enemies of revival and why most, most in this scene was not interested in revival nor wanted it. First of all, the first group I see is 
the compromisers. And that's in a man called Obadiah. 1 Kings 18.3 And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of his house. Now, the Bible says this about Obadiah. Now, Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. So why are you a governor in his house? Why are you linked Ahab? If you fear the Lord greatly, what are you doing here? In 1 Kings 18, 7, as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and fell on his face and said, Art thou that my Lord Elijah? And he answered and said, I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah's here. Listen what Obadiah says. He said, Why have I seen that thou wouldst deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? Obadiah was a good man, but he was a compromiser. He was in league with Ahab. And I believe there's a good number of people, much like Obadiah. It's not that you don't love the Lord. You do love Him. However, when it comes to taking a stand for something, you'll bow, compromise. James 4, 4 said, You adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Billy Sunday said it this way. He said it this way. We talk about worldly Christians. We might as well talk about heavenly devils as to talk about worldly Christians. Can I be so bold as to ask, do you remember when you first got saved? Amen. Do you remember this morning when Jesus moved in your heart? Do you remember when you used to pray? It seemed like the heavens opened up and God heard and answered. Do you remember when you used to read the Bible and it would just come alive to you? Do you remember? Do you remember those times when you had a great need and your heart was broken and you went to God and He slipped in beside of you and revealed Himself in a great way to you. Something special. Didn't have to, but He just did. Have you ever felt the arms of a holy God in the midnight hour when your heart's broken and He just squeezes you good and says, everything will be all right. See, Obadiah was a compromiser. Oh my goodness. He was, uh, but he was an enemy of revival. But they did love God. He feared God. He loved God. But he feared Ahab just as much. He obeyed Ahab just as much. Church, please hear me. Please, please, if I could just shake you and until your brains rattled, I would. We may see the day before this thing's over 
that you're going to have to decide what you, where you stand, what you believe, what you're going to bow to. We may see that. That may be closer than we think. Right. I remember reading a story where an underground church was having services and the back door swung open and men walked in with rifles, masks over their face. He said, I'm going to give you an opportunity to deny Christ and leave. Over half the congregation hit the back door running. He said, okay, I'll give you one more chance to deny Christ and you can leave. And four more moved out. He done it again and nobody moved. He put his gun down, took his mask off and said, now we now church. Now we now church. May I remind you, compromisers won't have revival. So the first group that I see here was a compromiser. That was in Obadiah. The second group I see here, they're corrupt. First Kings 18, 17. And it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art he that troubleth Israel? Are you the one that's causing all the trouble? Boy, I love what Elijah said. I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy house, thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandment of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Ahab was one of the most corrupt kings Israel ever knew. I mean, and he was second in his wickedness to that wicked wife of his called Jezebel. Isn't it amazing? We don't name our kids Jezebels. They may act like Jezebels, but we don't call them Jezebels. And I, the truth of the matter was, they were wicked beyond imagination. One day, oh, Ahab's his kingdom. Can you, can you just imagine that fat slob? He's looking out the window, and he sees a little vineyard over there. It's not very big, but all he sees it, and he says, I want that vineyard. So he goes to a man by the name of Naboth. Hey, Naboth, I'd like to buy your vineyard. It's right next to the palace, and I'd like to purchase that from you. Naboth said, sorry it's not for sale. My daddy gave it to me. My daddy gave it to me. He said, it's not for sale. No amount of money. Praise God for people that are not for sale. Amen. And he said, well, I'll give you a better piece of land for that. That's, that's better for your vineyard. He said, I'm sorry. My daddy gave it to me. He said, there's no piece of land that I'll swap for it. Praise God for some people that won't swap off God for something they want to do instead of serving Him. 
He said, they for sale. He goes back, that wimping, whining thing. He's in the bedroom whining like a two-year-old. Jezebel comes and says, hey, big boy, what's wrong with you? He said, I won't take my liberty. He won't give that to me. Honey pie, don't you worry one bit. I'll get that vineyard for you. And that wicked Jezebel does. They murder Naboth. She walks in. Hey, big boy, go get your vineyard. It's yours. He goes traipsing down through there. He runs into the man of God. And the man of God said, Buddy, you done sealed your doom right here. He says, matter of fact, you've sealed yours and Jezebel's. He said, you might think you got something, but you hadn't. So you see, they were corrupt. Can I say this, church, and I love our country, and I love our nation. I do, I do. But we're going down a path and it ain't about Republican and Democrats. Get over right. there. Get off that mess. It's about right and wrong. Right. Amen. It's about good and evil. Right. And we're going down a path of corruption like you have never seen. Like you have never seen. My goodness, I've never seen anything like it. Our nation is getting more corrupt by the day. And this corruption is spreading like wildfire. And I'm going to tell you something. And it starts with the leaders of our country that, that, that stole to get what they got and the corrupt. And they're taking a nation right down that same road. And Ahab, the son of Armor, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that went before him. First group is the compromisers. Second group are the corrupt. Third group, and this is a group that astounds me. And yet, I see this across our land. And that's the complacent. And it came to pass. And Elijah, verse 21, and he, Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will ye be between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. This is the most astounding crowd I see today. They're not saying, we're not going to follow the Lord. But neither are they saying, we're going to follow Baal. They're on the fence. They're propped on that fence. And I love the Lord. Oh, Joshua said it best. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, then serve the devil. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
but choose you this day whom you'll serve. Nobody gets both sides of the fence. I have to tell you this. It's impossible to stand on both sides of the fence unless it's a really short fence. You can't do it. But we're trying. It's not that we don't love the Lord. But we don't love the world either. And they're complacent. Honestly, they didn't care. One way or the other. I, I'm astounding. They didn't know whether they wanted to serve God or they didn't know whether they wanted to serve Baal. One writer I read after said this, and he might have a good point. He said this. He said the reason they're on the fence and they don't know which one they want to serve is because They've not seen enough in Christians that they want to serve them. But they ain't seen enough in the world that they want to serve them. They ain't seen neither one that motivates them to want to be any different than what they are. I'm going to ask you a question. Does your friends, do your friends, no, you love the Lord. Question, do you love the Lord? And if you do love the Lord, does your friends, if I call them and said so and so, I'm a member of Solid Rock Baptist Church, and they love the Lord, they'd be in a horse life because you're such a fake and a pretense and, and you live and act just like them. You cuss, you drink, you swear, you, you run around, you do everything they're doing. Yet, if someone asks you, are you saved? Yeah, I'm saved. Could it be the complacent? I've never seen enough difference that they want what we have. I'm talking about revival. I'm going to try, and they become an enemy to revival. They never made a commitment to Christ, but they never made a commitment to Baal. They didn't even argue with him. He couldn't get an argument. They just looked at him and answered him not a word. Sometimes I get aggravated with people. I know you probably never do. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm so proud of you. I, I get aggravated with people sometimes. I, I'll even go a step further. I get aggravated with church members sometimes. I, I know that's hard to believe, but I do. I, I get aggravated myself sometimes. I, it's even harder to believe. 
I get aggravated sometimes. And when I get aggravated, I do something. I quit talking. I just quit talking. I, I just quit talking. Because I'm afraid I'm going to say something to hurt your feelings, so I just don't say nothing. So, I'm, so I, I, and I, I find myself, I, I, I just don't want to, when I'm aggravated, so I don't want to talk to them. These people here, though, they're not aggravated. They're not anything. All the world around us, there are people who have their eyes upon us who are called Christians. And they've heard enough preaching to, 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 to move to... They've not heard enough preaching saved 100,000. It's not the definition of the gospel we need. It's a new demonstration of the gospel that we need. And you just take this to the bank, folks. Everybody around you, your neighborhood, your, 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 where you work, where you, whatever you do, is people around you they know when you leave to go to church, they watch you when you come home. On Sunday night, they see when that car doesn't move. On Wednesday night, they see when that car doesn't move. They see what you're doing. They're watching you. They see you. They, and, they, and here's the question. Are you complacent? This crowd was complacent. And they answered him, not a word. It's sad, isn't it? He said how long are you going to be between two opinions? Now listen, would you please everybody look this way for just a moment. We had better know what you believe and who you believe in. Are you listening? And you better get settled on it. And you better not be complacent about it. Anybody be settled and willing to take a stand for that? If not, one day in the United States of America, as they did in England, they'll put a fence around this church. They'll put me in jail, put a fence around this church, and I'll let you in to worship. And they did that in church in England. If I go to jail, I'm going to give them every one of your names. Every one. Daisy and all with me. Just as guilty. Go get them. And we'll have church in jail. Thank God some backslid church member bailed the poor pastor out. Glad of that. They put a fence. Said, you can't worship no more. And one of the reasons why is we've allowed it and being so complacent about it. May I remind you, people are looking. Notice the fourth group. The competitors. Elijah said, and you, and call you on the name of your gods, little g gods. And I will call on the name of the Lord. And the God that answers by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, is well spoken. 
And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose you bullocks for yourselves. Dress it first, for ye are many. Call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. They took the bullock, which was given them. They dressed it, called on the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, hear us. But there was no voice nor any answer, any that answered. And they leaped upon the altar which was made. Later on we read, they cut themselves. Elijah said, you need to holler a little louder. Your God might be asleep. These were the prophets of Baal, 450. And they're competing with the God of Elijah. I have never in my life witnessed as much competition there is for the cause of Christ that there is right now in 2021. I've never witnessed anything to imagine it. The competition. The competition. Something's competing in a prophet of Baal. Baal was a demon god. Baal was an ungodly, licentious demon god and was worshipped. And the priest of Baal were in competition with the prophet of God. Today, the church of the living God faces more competition than she's ever known. And I don't see that getting any less. I see that getting more. And we're selling out. There's churches. There's still churches. There's still churches not opened up. And let me remind you, in the state of North Carolina, thank God we took this thing to a federal court yes. to where the governor couldn't override churches opening up and worshiping together. Right. Thank God. But we have that privilege. And yes, some are just selling out, competing. And churches have not opened up. It's scary. So I see here, boy, this is, this is awesome groups. I see the compromiser. I see the corrupt. I see the complacent. Then I see the competitors. Oh, don't let the competition of the world rob revival from you a week from Monday. They'll everything will come up. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing what will sell out the house of God for? Oh, we find in the Bible where uh, uh, Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of pottage. I, I wouldn't be too critical of that because we'll sell out God for just about anything. Just about anything. And so, there's the competition. But now, there was just one that was courageous. This is where I want to end today. 
There's 450 prophets. There's the competitors. There's the compromisers. There's the corrupt. All of this crowd. But God just had one courageous, God-loving Christian. Just one. Just one. And he was courageous. And I mean, he put on display a courage and stood before that crowd. He, he was bold. Oh, he was a man. Later on, we see him hiding under a juniper tree. But right here, he's courageous. Then said Elijah to the people, I, even I only, remain of the prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Here's one prophet of God. Can I say this this morning? Could you be the one that ushers in revival? Could I be the one? We're waiting for a multitude to do something. Most of that multitude wasn't interested in driving. Could you be that one? Could you be that one? Could you be that one that'll come back tonight and find out what kind of ingredients we put in that the fire will fall and the rain will come. Could you be that one? Now I know this message is challenging. It challenged me while I was preparing it. Because I had asked myself, can I be the one? See, we're looking for God. We gotta have a crowd to do something. Odds are you getting a crowd to do anything's hard. I'm you feed them, you can't get all the crowd to come. Amen. And the truth is, he didn't take a crowd. Hallelujah. One man, right with God, ushered in a God-sent revival. Wow. Because here's what Elijah found out. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. And Elijah understood that only God's people who compromise hold back revival. Ahab can't stop revival. The complacent, that crowd on the fence that's not here or not there. They're just sitting on the fence. Just smiling, sitting on the fence. I started giving you a fence and just sit on it. Take a pretty good size fence. But that's all they're doing. They're smiling. They're not doing anything. They, they're, not, they're not loving bad, but they don't love God. They're not, they're not in. They're not out. They're just sitting. That crowd did not stop revival. The only thing that stops revival is when God looks for the one and can't find it. 
One occasion, the Lord said, I sought for a man. Not men. Not women. One person. That word man means mankind. I sought for one to make up the edge and to stand in the gap. And the next statement is almost unbelievable. He said, but I found none. And so revival didn't come that day. So this morning, I know it's a little different. It's because God's looking for just one. Could you be the one? Now those that have watched our played with their phone, read on the phone the whole service, you probably won't be the one. The one that's thinking about dinner today, you probably won't be the one. The one that's come fighting with your wife, husband, you're, you're, you're waiting after service, you can smack them real good, you probably won't be the one. You that uh, have got your mind on somewhere else and you're not really here. You're here, but you're not really here. How many understand that statement? You probably won't be the one. You'll find yourself in one of them other crowds. Some of you that come so burdened and heavy that you just don't know if you're going to make it. God just wants to help you today and love you. You probably won't be the one. But I wonder, Solid Rock Baptist Church, could he find one? If he's seen revival with one, what if he could find two? Wow. What if two? If two of you would agree on earth as touching anything, it should be done to them, my Father, which is in heaven. I wonder if he could find two. I wonder if there's one. Let's just, let's just hypothetically speak. Let's just say, well, preacher, you, you ought to be the one. I, I agree. I ought to be the one. I want, I want to be the one. I want to try to be my little bit, to be that one. But wouldn't it be something if somebody stepped up aside and said, I'll join you. Now we got two. Now if he's seen revival with one, reckon what he would do with two. But then what about two? If God so moved a third, wow. If two or three are gathered in my name, I'll be in the midst. Wow. If one can usher in revival, two or three can bring the presence of a holy God in our midst. The question is, where's the one? Now, we've taken a lot of time looking at the, play, at the players. And that's on purpose. Because we've got to get honest about the players. They were part of this scene. The Word of God put them there. So we have to take an honest look at them. Because if you're one of the players, if you're one of the corrupt that's lost, God just wants to save you today.
That's all. That's what he wants to do for you. And man, what revival that would be. He wants to save you today. Wow! If you're one of the complacent, he's coming by. He's trying to knock you off the fence. He's trying, he's trying to get your attention saying, get off that fence! He said, you want to serve the devil? Serve him. God give us all a choice. You can serve him. You ain't going to like the results of it. You ain't going to like the, 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 the way it takes you. You're not going to like that. But you can. But he says, if you're going to serve God, that's quit playing around. Let's serve him. Let's give him my best. He's trying to get you off the fence. But I really believe he's looking for one that'll stand up and say, I'm going to give you these ingredients. And then the fire fell. And then the rain came. This morning, could you? So you've got to ask some questions. Do you need revival? Do we need revival? Can we as a body of believers this morning ask him what the psalmist said? Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? So I'd like to begin this morning. Say, Lord, Lord, I'm a candidate for the one. I want to get to God this week. I did all this past week. I'm going to get to God this next week. And no matter what else he's going to be doing, I'm going to get to God this next week. I did this past week. I'm going to do this next week. And say, God, Wilt thou not revive us again? And I'm going to beg God for revival. So I'm a candidate for one. I wonder, are you one? That's great. It takes a lot of courage. It's going to take a lot, lot of courage. Are you one of the courageous? So let's all stand to a feet and every head bowed and every eye closed.